This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Leader. It's that time of year again, where acts from all over the continent, and elsewhere in some cases, compete in Eurovision. It always gets political, but this time around, there's a clear favourite that everyone can get on board with, Ukraine. That's Kalush Orchestra with their song, Stefania. Now, the UK hasn't got the best track record in Eurovision, and that's putting it mildly. Despite last year's entry James Newman's best efforts, we finished dead last, and with the dreaded Nupois. But could this year be different? Well, everyone loves a trier, and the man hoping to change our look is none other than TikTok star Sam Ryder, with his offering, Spaceman. Yokan Embley is from the Evening Standards Culture Desk. So, Yokan, Eurovision always gets political. How are we expecting this to influence this year's results? Well, I think any kind of competition that focuses on Europe at a time like this can't, can't go by without at least some connection to what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. And Ukraine are actually among the favourites to win this year. So I think their performance will be a politically charged one, to say the least. So the Ukrainian entry, um, Kalash Orchestra, their frontman, has been very vocal about the war on Instagram. I think he's even been involved in the sort of humanitarian effort, getting uh, supplies um, and the like to the front line. And their song, actually, um, Stefania, um, if you kind of search that song on TikTok, on social media, you'll see that it's become a sort of de facto anthem for Ukrainian solidarity. You know, it's been used as like a soundtrack for protests and there are you know videos posted by Ukrainian soldiers who are using the song with their video. So yeah, I think it will be a will be an intrinsically um political performance from Ukraine and um I think the Eurovision will be used as a opportunity to kind of show solidarity for Ukraine and kind of everything that's going on at the moment. It puts things into perspective that Ukraine's commentator is broadcasting from a bunker, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Kalash Orchestra, the Ukrainian entrance, they weren't even sure whether they're going to be able to make it. And they said they always wanted to because they, you know, they wanted to spread their message. They wanted to get their music out into the world. But yeah, I mean, I think I think they got confirmed as the Ukrainian entrance something like two days before, you know, the Russian tanks rolled in. So it's um, a very sort of peculiar, but a very... Um, a very sort of heartfelt and meaningful entry as well. What would it actually mean for the competition if Ukraine does win? Well, you know, I, th- I think it would be just a huge sort of show of solidarity. I mean, I think we've seen that 
um across Europe and sort of all, all settings you know politically culturally and you know socially as well but I think for you know not just kind of the European music community but then you know the 200 million odd people that are watching it if they were to vote Ukraine as winners I think that would send a pretty unambiguous message out that you know the, the continent stands with Ukraine and you know very much um on, on their side I suppose What do you think about Ukraine's actual entry? Is it a good song? Uh, yeah, I think it's a really good song. Um, it's, it's described as folk rap, which admittedly doesn't sound too great, but it is much better than it sounds. And, you know, I think if you watch some of the live performances that um, the uh, group have given when they were qualifying for the Ukrainian entry um, a few months ago, I mean, even then, before the kind of whole context of the invasion was um, in the background, it was a hugely sort of emotional um, and heartfelt performance. So, yeah, I can only imagine what it will be like in the grand final when, you know, like I say, 200 million people are watching. It's, um, yeah, I think it will be moving, to say the least. How often do you think the best entry actually wins Eurovision? I don't think it's always political. I think I think there's always, I mean, I think that can come into it. You know, we saw Ukraine win Eurovision um, back around the time that Russia first annexed um, Crimea a few years ago. Um, you know, whether those two were explicitly linked, maybe some debate. I mean, even though the song did, you know, the winning song did reference Crimea's history. So I think in that sense, probably was a, probably was a political motivation. But I think it's always more than the music. I think quite often it comes down to just which sort of personalities the viewers connect with. Um, you know, like we saw with Conchita, I think, you know, they really sort of struck a chord with the viewers. And then, you know, last year's winners, Maniskin, I think people love their sort of, you know, careless uh, attitude. So, yeah, I think it's, I think the media does obviously play a part, but there's always way more at play than just the music of Eurovision. Let's look at some of the other standouts this year. Who are some of the favourites? So Italy are up there again. Last year's winners, of course. Uh, I think they're among the favourites. Uh, I think Sweden are in the shout. Spain are being talked about by the bookies. Um, Ukraine are favourites as it stands amongst amongst the bookmakers, which um, isn't really surprising. But I think what might be quite surprising is that um, the United Kingdom are second, more or less second or third in most of the bookmakers' rankings at the moment. You know, and after sort of two dead bottom finishes I think that might come as a bit of a surprise but yeah we'll have to wait and see I suppose Looking at some of the entries it seems like a lot of countries have been influenced by Maniskin's win last year and have gone for rock inspired acts Yeah it's interesting isn't it I think there's a sort of uh, slightly misguided notion that it's the sort of big bombastic Europop tracks that are the winners but I don't think that's really been the case for, well, if not ever, definitely not for a long while. I mean, like you say, Maniskin won with that sort of rocky tune last year. Uh, there have been some ballads that have won. So, um, yeah, I think it's unsurprising that quite a few countries are maybe going to try and jump on that um, more sort of rock music bandwagon. But, I mean, there's really all sorts um, this year. I think Eurovision is kind of always a more or less a snapshot of what's going on in global pop music at the moment. Um you know, there's a lot of uh, like reggaeton kind of style music in there. There's a lot of more dancey sort of tech house stuff in there as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always always a bit of a cross section of what's going on in pop music. But um, you know, whether whether a rock music one wins this year, I think remains to be seen. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear more about Eurovision 2022. Whilst you're here, why not give the leader a rate and follow?
Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's look at the UK's entry, Sam Ryder, in a bit more detail. Sure, yeah. So Sam was a, um, well, still is a a big sort of uh, star on TikTok. Um, He's kind of been in around bands for quite a few years before that. But I think when the... Um, pandemic hit, he started uh, posting these little sort of 30 second clips of himself on TikTok doing covers of just like just you know famous pop songs really um, but he's got an incredible voice like really booming uh, dynamic voice and I think you know that was really what kind of struck a chord on TikTok and he just went viral basically I think he's got something like 100 million combined views on his channel at the moment Um yeah, and that just kind of blew up. And then midway through the pandemic, kind of off the back of this huge TikTok wave, he um, got signed to Polydor, the uh, major record label. And things have gone up from there, really. He released the song that he will compete at Eurovision with called Spaceman, released that earlier this year. And then that was picked up by the people that choose um, who's going to represent the um, UK at Eurovision. So, yeah, it's been a pretty, pretty meteoric rise for Sam. And what do you think of the actual song itself? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good. Um, I think our entries in the past have been maybe a bit lacklustre, put it um, mildly. But I, I think I think this one, yeah, I think it's a good song. It's quite punchy. It really shows off Sam's voice and um, kind of you know he hits some high notes, but hits them really powerfully. And I think, and also he just he just he just seems like he just you can tell when you watch him sing. If you watch any of his live stuff he's doing recently, he just really love singing i think that really comes through in his performance which you know hopefully from sam's perspective from the uk's perspective that will that will sort of translate to the international audience that kind of enthusiasm that he's got you interviewed sam Ryder for the paper what was he like and how was he feeling about the competition yeah it was actually a, a very a very nice man the um very sort of grounded approach to things i think someone in his position where you know this fame has kind of happened overnight and taken him you know up into the stars about um without anyone really expecting it. I think that could do funny things to people, but Sam seems very, yeah, very grounded, very appreciative of where he is. Yeah, and he's also also a huge Eurovision fan. He told me that he's um, been watching it avidly since he was a child through to his adult years as well. So he seemed very excited. I think he was well aware, as anyone in his position was, uh, sorry, anyone in his position would be, that the UK hasn't exactly smashed it in recent years. But I think his sort of mantra was, you know, whatever happens, happens, and he's just going to, give his best shot and then hopefully that will avoid the nil par. I think it will I'm pretty certain it will but you, you never know I, uh, but I, 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 I do I do have more faith in Sam than I had in recent years I must say The UK has been accused of not taking Eurovision seriously enough in the past with our entries do you think Sam Ryder with his profile through TikTok is the start of us actually taking this competition seriously? Yeah I think so I mean so the UK is part of the big five which is uh, these five nations um just us, Italy, Spain, Germany, and France that qualify for the final, no matter what. Like most of the other countries have to go through um, 
rounds of like the semi-finals and they have to go through that route whereas the UK we're just we're there automatically and I think that probably has led to some complacency and also I think just because we've done so badly for the last 10 years more or less that I don't know there's probably a bit of um, you know I think I think the, the vibes aren't exactly aren't exactly great um, when it comes to the UK and Eurovision but I think someone like Sam with the, with the profile he's got and with the kind of pre-existing fan base that he's already got, I think he is probably one of the biggest people we've had uh, in, in quite a long time. So, yeah, I think of all the, all the contestants we've had in the last 10 years, he's probably most well-placed out of any of them. Despite the UK's poor record in the competition, Eurovision seems to be getting more and more popular. Why do you think people love it so much? Yeah, I think it's just, it's just a lot of fun, isn't it? I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of serious things going on in the world at the moment. I think Eurovision, um, even though it does have this you know political slant and especially so this year i think it is just a very joyful kind of evening you know whether you're watching it at home with friends or if you're going out a bar to watch it on the big screen i think it is it's kind of become something you know bigger than itself it's kind of become like a cultural movement i think people just love love how fun it is i mean it's obviously always very sort of um bombastic and um you know very camp and just very sort of doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time does kind of um you know feel like it it really sort of means something to a lot of people. I mean, you only need to see how many people watch it every year to show that it does mean to a lot, a lot to a lot of people around the continent. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's just a really good, fun night. And I think, I think that's what people need sometimes. You can read more from Yokan online at standard.co.uk. And that's it from The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.